Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Show number six of Anime World Order. Hopefully it'll be sometime in February when this one comes out. Ideally, February 7th, <laughs> 2006. I'm Daryl Surratt. I'm Gerald. And I'm Clarissa. Okay. This week we're going to listen to some listener voicemail, since you guys are, are using that number, but not enough of you, so keep doing it. But yeah, our number for the voicemail, if you want to leave us a voice message, and you do, 206-666-4AWO. That's 206-666-4296. You can also email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com. And for the show notes, which you're really going to want for this episode and all our episodes, go to our website at animeworldorder.blogspot.com. All right, we've got the obligatory stuff out of the way because we have to mention it every episode because there's new people listening all the time. Let's go to the voicemail messages. Hey, this is James from Jacksonville, and I demand more Fist of the North Star content. Because what you gonna do when Kenshiro makes you say, Alright, thanks, James. Now, I, I guess I should explain what he's trying hmm. to say by that. I actually knew James when I went to college, and back during that time, I, I decided that the greatest internet gimmick in the world was to be someone who'd type in all capital letters and whose name would be I Love Kenshiro, because back then, and even now, nobody you'd ever find would actually like Fist of the North Star, so my gimmick would be that this guy would be the biggest Fist of the North Star fan on the planet. And I guess the Colbert effect sort of happened with it, and I just was never able to fully turn it off. Now I like Fist of the North Star for real. Hoist by your own petard. Yeah. I'd always sign all my emails, what you gonna do, and Kenshiro makes it say he debut. Because... The bad guys in Fist of the North Star say that before they explode. In a shower of guts and glory. Well, non-explicit for the TV series and things like that, but the, uh, the well manga done silhouettes. The anime. Yeah. yeah. It's not just James who's been writing into me demanding uh, Fist of the North Star content. I've gotten some other email requests for it, and it's going to have to happen. But uh, I want to do it right, because it's a hard sell to explain to people why it isn't the shittiest shit that ever shitted. <laughs> Well, it, it certainly yeah. is hard if all they've seen is that shitty movie. Oh, God. The, you know, like, I hated Fist of the North Star forever because I saw that movie and I was like, oh, God, this is such crap. It's and not the movie. It's just been criminally mishandled almost in every single iteration of its English release. It's just mm-hmm. been badly done. The worst job probably being manga videos since they tried to make it into Dragon Ball Z. They tried to urbanize it a lot, so to speak. Right, that techno opening they added right. to it. And, oh, yeah. And just a lot of bad decisions that have been made regarding the localization of Fist right. of the North Star. But suffice it to say, before I do that segment on it someday, that Fist of the North Star is kind of the template for every single shonen action show that's ever followed since. All the Dragon Ball Zs and Naruto's and in terms of structural format, in terms of characters, in terms of the way the stories unfold, Fist of the North Star was the template for that. So yeah, 
We'll definitely get to that at some point, James. This next voicemail, uh, let's play that one now. Hi, my name is Benjamin Williams from Livonia, Michigan. And I like listening to your show. I listen to it every week since you started it. You should definitely keep the shows longer. Not shorter. The longer is better. Also, I'd like to know your opinion on shows like Sabbaths or Love, Hina, and uh, Deers. That's about it. If you could talk about those, it'd be great. Bye. Thank you. Okay. That was a great voicemail. Thanks, Benjamin. Um, as far as the longer shows go, a couple of things about uh, the longer shows. The only reason I set that one-hour limit was because of editing purposes. I'm not that good at editing these programs quickly. It takes me about an evening to edit one show. I don't want it to be too short because then we don't really get much worthwhile content. But then I don't really want it to be two hours long. Most people don't seem to want to listen to shows that are that long, even though the actual messages that we've gotten back have been very solidly for making the shows either longer or keeping it the same length. Right. The next point, you want us to talk about Chobits, Love Hina, and Deers. So how do we break it to them? Well, as a rule, I don't really watch shonen romance anime, whether it's harem anime or things like Chobits, where a guy's in love with a non-human robot mm-hmm. doll. And the reason is, is just because there's this weird sort of wish-fulfillment quasi-porn, even though there isn't necessarily sex in them, there's just that nature about them, and it's all washed over with this veneer of being cute and marketable, and it just, the juxtaposition just sort of disturbs me. In the case of Love Hina, it's a massively popular uh, show, but all these harem anime shows like Love Hina seem to be built around one core central fetish or kink, and then you have the sub-fetishes within that, like in Love Hina, that's a show for guys who like to be beat up by women. That's my idea for Love Hina. (laughs) If your fetish is having women beat the shit out of you, then Love Hina is the show for you, and then you've got your sub-fetishes within that. There's the tomboy who loves to beat the shit out of the main character because she loves him. And there's the cute, the, innocent, lowly girl. Yeah, the lowly con, pedobate schoolgirl who beats up the main character because she loves him. The and, kendo girl. Yeah, that's etc. etc. Yeah, the yeah. large-breasted one, whatever. All that stuff. It's like you've got the sub-fetish who primary fetish because she loves him. That's just the deal with all those harem <laughs> anime shows. And Dears is just the fucking creepiest one of them all. Oh my god! I actually haven't seen actually, that one. Let me tell Geon you. Riders, I think, is the creepiest. But uh, which one? Deers. Geon Riders. Okay, yeah. Here's the deal with Deers, though. The primary fetish of Deers is slavery. Okay, it's for guys who want women to be slaves. So you've got like your women who repeatedly states their status as slaves because they love the guy. There's no subtlety about it. It's just in your face. That, in combination with the exterior, with the perky, cheery, denpa opening song where the chorus is, I'm your slave! And it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be, you know, good, clean, happy fun, because they've got big, huge, adorable pink slave collars on them. Oh my god, it's just fucking freaky. And when I see the fans of these shows, and they just don't even mention it. It's like, yeah, it's part of the course. It just scares the hell out of me, so I don't watch <laughs> any shows like that. What I think is interesting about Chobits is that the initial point of Chobits was that 
that it was bad that people were in love with their perso columns. Yeah, but then Oshie was, came along, but then and they now the style lost is, the, you know, doll yeah. love is in. It's better but, to love a doll yeah. than a real human being. Right. Yeah, they kind of, I think they kind of lost the point after a while. They that. did, I and think. I was really interested when it started out, because I was interested that they were going that direction and saying, look, it's probably not a good thing. And, like, I remember in the manga, uh, to some extent in the anime, too, he couldn't have sex with her. Because, you know, there were, you know, reasons built in that he actually could not do that. But, yeah, then they kind of lost that, that point and it turned into just fan now, service. And... As a rule, I hate harem animes, too. But, I mean, I think that there's maybe one or two out there that would probably fall into that category that I think I can tolerate. Like, Handmade May I enjoyed, which probably ruins my credibility. <laughs> I've never yes. seen the show. It just seems like it's a fun little show. It's all um, right. I know I it's enjoyed... there's the first three or four episodes are pretty heavy fan service, and then it drops yeah. to nothing, mm. and just becomes kind of a relationship show. And yeah, I enjoyed Love Hina okay one time through, but I couldn't rewatch it. Like it didn't have any rewatch value for me. And even then, the first time, like it was all right. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't great either. My problem with Love Hina was that it was... It's very it was, standard. It seems like yeah. it's the Bleach or the Flame of right, Rekka right. or the Yu Yu Hakusho of Shonen Romance harem shows. It has every cliche in the book. Mm. And, and it does know, them over and over and over right, again right. for right. every I've episode. I've seen those jokes for the last decade plus that shit isn't funny to me anymore. It's like, oh, he tripped yeah. and accidentally fell on the girl's boobs and then gets hit in the face. Wow, mm-hmm. okay. Jokes. Yeah. I don't know. Never yeah, really. I'm I'm really sick of that too. Like I was talking to Gerald about this when we were watching one of the, the DOA four endings. I'm kinda sick of the, you know, oh hey, the guy didn't do anything wrong and just was a complete accident, but gets the crap beaten out of him anyway. If he's really a pervert, fine, whatever. Like in Ranma, Ranma always got the crap beaten out of him. But Ranma was a dick. Ranma was a complete jackass to pretty much everybody. So he deserved it. I didn't have a problem with that. But, like, yeah, the guy in Love Hina, like, never really did anything bad. It was all just complete innocent accidents. And I'm I actually, the, the I have to cut in, hold on. I've been typing into Google information on, on Deers, and I've just discovered the reason the show is called Deers is because Deers is supposedly short for Dear Friends. How the fuck does that work? <laughs> it's it's Dear S... But it's, it's Japan. That's how it works. It's got to be. Sh- it's, the page has got to be wrong. It's got to be short for like "dear slave." <laughs> or, I, I, it, that's dear only... toy. Yeah. So oh I guess God. Benjamin will never listen to us again. Uh, I'm sorry. I, you, someone else can review that stuff. I'm not going to be the one to, to watch through. All we, those. I think we've all seen Lavina. We, we've all I, hated yeah. it. I haven't seen Deers, but the one that like I hated, um, Onigai teacher. Like I just, oh. It started out all right, and then I just I couldn't stand that show. In terms of shonen romance, I did like Boys B, but that's not that doesn't really have a particular fetish to go for it. It's not like they're slaves or they're you know lowly girls or anything. It's yeah, just, they're school teachers yeah. or they're all his sister or they're all his right. mommy. Oh god, it, nothing, yeah. no fetish to it. Oh well, fucking Geon Riders. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a creepy show! Oh, no, the the, cre- the creepiest shows to me are. Oh, then well, we'll get into lesson. that in another point. Oh, we happy should have a segment on that. Yeah, we have a segment on creepy things. Top that- ten <laughs> creepiest shows. Yeah, he is my master. I was gonna go more for like the uh, Nyan Nyan Tarato <laughs> angle on that. Anything Kaishaku. 
And then it just evolves, like the whole Moe demon, like, all right, the New Deal is you want to, you know, you want to bone girls who are dying of cancer and undergoing chemotherapy and what, only you can drive them to the hospital. There was a game Con called a little that. Sister. That's it, Con a Little Sister. <laughs> and there was a very, very good comment on our blog by Kendra, who we heard from last Yeah, his last name's time. actually Who we Aaron. thought was a girl, I, yeah. but yeah. Uh, we were wrong. Yeah, it's Sorry. actually a guy's name. But it was a very, very good post. This it guy was. really goes very deeply yeah. into robot shows and super yeah, robot shows. He went into it so in a long. lot more detail than we got to. It's so long that we really don't want to read the whole thing, so check it out at animeworldorder.blogspot.com. And with that, let's get on with the news. Let's news! Working to restore power. A couple of interesting things and a couple of very big things have happened. Now, we all check out the Oscars, don't laugh, some of us do. Howl's Moving Castle actually got nominated for an Oscar this year, and they got nominated for an Oscar along with Tim Burton's Corpse Bride and Wallace and Gromit in Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Do you guys think that uh, Howl's has a chance? I actually wrote an article several months ago for Anime Insider about this very subject, about the chances of Howl's Moving Castle winning the Oscar, what would get nominated. And I basically concluded that Howl's would get nominated, and it has, but Howl's would not win. Wallace and Gromit, I think, is going to win. I don't think that Corpse Bride is the kind of thing that's popular enough to get mainstream attention and acceptance. It is the kind of thing that will be popular at Hot Topic for many, many years to come. But I personally don't think it was even that good of a movie to warrant winning over Wallace and Gromit. Or Howl's Moving Castle. But my pick is that Wallace and Gromit will win just because, you know, Howl's Moving Castle was, in my opinion, not quite as good as Spirited Away. I'm torn because I loved both Wallace and Gromit and Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, I'm not I saying Howl's Moving Castle is bad. I wouldn't, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying you're saying that at all. I liked Howl's Moving Castle more than I liked Spirited Away. Really? I but thought there were I some did. pacing problems in the middle of Howl's Moving Castle. I, I thought there were pacing problems in the middle of Howl's Spirited Away, exactly. Okay. I think I, I also it's... preferred Spirited Away, but I did really like Howl's as well. There's not a bad nominee in the bunch. Yeah. Here's the most interesting thing that I saw from that list of nominations. Did you notice, not a single one of the nominees for Best Animated Feature Film is a 3D CG movie? Even though the big Hollywood mantra is 2D animation is dead. No one's going to go mm-hmm. see these 2D cell animated films because yeah. they look old. 3D CG is the wave of the future. Just look at how our shitty movies like Treasure Planet and Spirit and Road to El Dorado and uh, you know, all that crap bombed in the box office, but Toy Story and The Incredibles and things like that did well. Clearly, CG is the way to go. Why is it that none of these people have the foresight to realize that the reason people didn't see those 2D movies were because they happened to be bad, not because they were 2D movies, mm. not because they were traditional cell-animated films, but just because they sucked. The thing yeah. about the brunt of these 3D CG movies is in the non-Pixar ones is that so many of them are loaded up with these very contemporary jokes oh, yeah, that yeah. when you try and show your kids them 10 years from now, it's just not even going to be funny. It's, right, right. There's not even going to be a joke. It's like, oh, he did the Napoleon Dynamite dance. What? You know... That, yeah. That's not going to, people yeah. aren't going to remember that. Whereas you can watch Cinderella or watch Snow White, which is a movie made in like 1930, and right. it's still a good movie because right, it's right. not like there was some reference to some celebrity to Jimmy of the day. or something. Yeah, like it doesn't that. have anything to date it. 
Right. And so that's why I think a lot of the modern-day children's entertainment is going to die. But here's hoping that Wallace and Gromit wins... Or some Howl's Moving Castle, because yeah. both I'd be of happy those, with either. Yeah, I'd be happy, I'd be with, happy with any of them, honestly. Really? Yeah. Hello, I'm Insert Your Name. And you're listening to Insert Name of Show. And now I'd just like to say Insert Funny Ad-Libbed Comment. OtakuGeneration.net, letting you see how crazy we really are. Catch us every Wednesday for news, reviews, and stuff you can use for the otaku in you. Another bit of news, this is something that people believe that this was really the story, but now we've actually have it confirmed. Manga Entertainment has actually confirmed that they've lost the license to, and here's the list, Giver, the OAVs, Fist of the North Star, the TV series, Pat Labor 1, the movie, Pat Labor 2, the movie, New Dominion Tank Police, Red Hook, Dark Myth, Black Magic M66, Wings of Oniamis, and Gunbuster. This is really, really great news, yeah. because... A lot of these, I mean, Red Hawk and Dark Myth, we can probably forget about. Maybe Gunbuster <laughs> as well. Maybe maybe Giver as well. Gunbuster's fantastic, sorry. Yeah, but, did you just say I was going to... Yeah, I, I just <laughs> woodshed. Massive and Giver, Giver's a classic, man. Don't don't hate on the Giver. Uh, Giver's a bit funky. Oh, but, man. Uh, and so this means that we might be able to get a really good release of Wings of Oniamis. At least we know that there's a potential for it. But do you I, think it's going to be like a, a Bandai visual, you know, ridiculously priced yes. release? Yes, I, I do. Mean, it will be, but at least we can, be able to buy? At least we can buy that $30 cheaper disc that that's going to be available. Right. Obviously, it's a Bandai visual film. Yeah. It's a no-brainer since it's Bandai Visuals is the mm-hmm. Japanese company, the Oniamis label. We were making fun of it earlier that a label called Oniamis wasn't actually going to release the movie Wings of Oniamis. But, but now, now they have they to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not even they can. Now they have yeah. to. Yeah. But do you think some of that stuff is going to get picked up, like Fist of the North Star or Gunbuster? I think that Fist of the North Star, and I know that this sounds weird, but I think Fist of the North Star is a show that ADV will look into. I mean, Gunbuster, they, you know, manga hadn't bothered to put it on DVD, and I don't know how popular it is. I think most people now... Looking for Gunbuster, are probably familiar with the new Gunbuster and waiting for that to come out. But, I um, think that Gunbuster is probably one of the most wanted animes that's not been released on DVD. I agree. Yeah. And okay, because I, I mean, I know, like, I wasn't sure if it was just kind of like, there are probably like a small group of us who really want the rest of Area 88 on DVD, the original OAVs, but I would imagine that the larger anime audience probably doesn't care. They can so slap from sure. the maker of Evangelion on Gunbuster yeah. from Gynax and Hideakiano, yeah. creators of Ava on Gunbuster, and that That's will show. That's true. It, it, does, it is Gynax, so... It would be an easy release. It's six episodes. Yeah. It's, that could all fit on... One, one or two, two discs. discs. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I really look to forward to seeing a really nice transfer, a really nice, just yeah. Yeah. nice. Put back the goes. original science lessons that weren't included on the old U.S. renditions release. Yeah. They actually included them on the manga video, all in a whole chunk of them at the end. Okay. I thought they One after have, the other. Because I remember the original release of that did not have about two of the science lessons. Mm. That was that, my recollection. That was probably right. For those who don't know, after the episodes of Gunbuster, they would have these cute little super deformed characters appearing in front of a... Oftentimes it was like an Apple screen or a, a chalkboard, and they would have this really silly but convincing science lesson. The joke was that the science they were convincingly explaining in that silly manner was all wrong. Right. Are you Wrong, right. Yeah, and, yeah, it was uh, all absolutely incorrect. But it was so convincingly put that you, some people actually believed it. Wait a minute, but, Gerald, weren't you the one t- lecturing me on how the science was so great in Gunbuster and 
Actually, what happened was there was another very long, there was an essay in the beginning of one of the episodes that oh, had right. this very complex... Roller caption essay, complete with someone narrating over it, so when they right. had to subtitle both... Life and was it was yeah. this very complex thing, and, I, and I, this fascinated me, and I typed this out and printed it out and took it to my chemistry teacher. And she read through this thing, and she would look through it and say, yeah, I've heard of that, and yeah, I've heard of that, and apparently, the, as a whole, it's bullshit, hmm. but apparently they took real little things and stuck them in here and there. That sounds uh, like Studio Gynax in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Like the That's probably what I was Ava. talking about. Yeah. Uh. All but right. this is really great news, and then now we've got kind of the explosive dynamite holy shit news. This is something that we've been talking about for years as well. ADV, just this week, announced that they've gotten the license to a 1986 obscure two-part OAV called Prefectural Earth Defense Force. This is a really fun show, and it was extremely popular back in the VHS fan sub days. Oh, yeah. Very, very popular. Everybody had a copy of this. And if you can find it today, you'll probably find it. I've got like a 13th generation copy sitting here. <laughs> and it's a really fun, really loony show. And ADV has gone and licensed this, and they've licensed it in just the way that I think we've always been wanting them to license it. Right. They're releasing it subtitle only, and the thing is going to cost, I believe it was $12. Yeah, $15 at the most. And yes. that's smart, if you ask me. Finally, and this, I really, really, really hope that people are going to give this a shot. Because if they don't, then fuck them. Because yeah, people, this is... you have no excuse not to buy this. It's going to be like 12 or $15, subtitle only, on the cheap. This is I exactly think how they need to be releasing this stuff. So you people need to buy it. Right, and so that'll that convince ADV them that doing this is feasible. I believe $12 is retail. So if you go on deep discount DVD, you're going to get it shipped for 9 or yeah, something like that. Or like 6. Yeah, it's It's, it's really ridiculous. really great little show. This is how stuff obscure stuff like this should be released. Yeah. If you don't buy it, ADV is going to not have any reason to release any more of it. And so give the show a shot. This is holy shit news because this could open up the doors to a whole bunch of other really cool stuff that's not yet been yeah. released. Yeah. And it's not a bad show, so we're not asking you to buy something crappy for the sake of the industry or anything. No, we're not. The industry, whatever. We don't do that kind this. of bullshit. We don't do I wouldn't support this if this were a bad show, but yeah. Prefectural Earth Defense Force is plenty fun. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, like we were saying, it's important that this sells, not just because it's good, but because it is an old, obscure show that they're releasing subtitle only. For years, we've been hearing about, oh, you got to dub stuff because the dub viewers outnumber the subtitle viewers by 8 to 1 or something. But if you ask me, that was always artificial because think about it. In the early days of VHS, tapes were either in dub or sub only. You couldn't. It wasn't like DVD. You didn't have multiple audio tracks, right? But when you'd sell the tapes to retailers, there'd be two things with the same name on them, and then one would cost nineteen ninety nine, and one would cost twenty nine ninety nine, and so obviously, since it's brick and mortar retailers, and they only have so much shelf space, they'd pick the cheaper one. So that's why your dubs would outsell subs by however much to one. They made it that way. Well, and you know, for I years also think... the mentality is just stuck. Oh yeah, you know, you have to dub these shows, hence the Or Battle or Dunbine dub, or the Saint Seiya dub, or things that, or the City Hunter dub that's about to come out, or the Pat Labor dub, things that they really have no business dubbing because the people who are going to buy it are going to buy it anyway, and the average Joe Q anime fan is not going to pick this up just because there's a dub on it. And so if this sells, that can hopefully blow a hole in that line of thinking for once, and then we can start getting things released the way we think they should be, like bricks of stuff for cheap. 
I would love to see Arion released over here. Arion should have been released 15 years ago, and I'm really hoping that this might open the door to that. Yeah, and then Arion maybe we an- can start getting, you know, some old, like, giant robot shows that get them on the cheap, sub only, because we're and- the only people that are going to buy them, and... And you know, Daryl, in, in your comment about the dub thing, I would agree, but I also think that that might be absolutely true about the Inuyasha type shows that are that people only are exposed to dubbed. That and then, might be true, but the thing about Inuyasha is that was huge on BitTorrent before it became even huger on Cartoon Network. I you think know. that's the BitTorrent yeah. crowd is still a drop in the bucket to c- compare to who how many people actually watched it. Right. Yeah, that's true. And I know that we're we might be you know gushing about this, but this is really a big deal that they're doing this, that they're well, releasing an old yeah. show for a reasonable price. So really give the show a shot. See, if nothing else, what I'm hoping is that even if you know this show doesn't sell like gangbusters, even if the mainstream you know Cartoon Network viewing anime population doesn't buy this show, the fact that they're not spending a ton of money to dub it. Means and that, that it they're have releasing to sell on the cheap. Yeah, means that off. as long as that kind of hardcore central audience buys it, they'll still be able to make enough on it. Because that's what I'm hoping to prove to them that it's like, if you release these old shows, these obscure shows, they don't have to sell a huge amount because if you don't dub it, you don't need to sell as many because you didn't spend as much money releasing the thing. And you can still be profitable. Right. right. How much money exactly. do you think they saved by not dubbing the show? A couple of thousand? Oh, more than that. Yeah, 10, I would imagine. Yeah. Something yeah, like that? Probably. That's a whole lot less videos I have to sell to pull If anybody profit. out there works for a, an anime company and knows how much money you guys spend on that stuff and you're willing to tell us, let us know. The only probably caveat is whether or not the crowd who would remember Perfection Earth Defense Force is still around. And <laughs> There's fewer and actually, fewer of them. Yeah, that actually brings me to my next something I wanted to bring up. There's a convention out in Texas called Ushicon. They've been running for about five years now. And as of this year, they've decided that Ushicon, there isn't going to be any more Ushicons anymore. And it isn't because of things like uh, they lost too much money or anything like that. They were financially solvent, as far as I know. There's a post, which we'll link to in the show notes. And if you want to read this post for yourself, you can go to tinyurl.com slash d-u-t- DZ, we'll put that in the show notes, and gives a very interesting reason for why Ushikan ceased to be as of this year, and I'll just read it. Uh, it's kind of long, but bear with me. When Ushikan was born, the idea was that we would be a convention for the fans, by the fans. I realize that I'm not the only one who's come to hate our ungrateful, bratty, spoiled, self-gratifying fan base that composes the vast majority of convention attendance. The truth is, the fans we wanted to serve are the fans that no longer go to conventions because they've become a place for parents to dump their 14-year-olds for the weekend. A place for asshats to be asshats. Our dream is no longer compatible with today's anime fan. So I feel right that Ushikan is now over. We showed the region that it is possible to have a convention where the guests are treated as guests should be. Dealers are given a positive, booming business environment. And true anime fans have not only a wide and diverse selection of anime experiences to engage in, but communities in which to do it. And perhaps in two or three years, even the whiniest of our self-important attendees will feel that void. They'll wonder why they don't feel like they're part of a club at the conventions they attend. They'll wonder why they're just treated like unwanted customers who tear up everything in the store. 
They'll wonder when they stopped being their various badge handles and started being pure numbers. Perhaps then they'll understand what it was they had and let go. Now, I just have to give these guys all the credit in the world because they had the balls to actually stop just because the behavior of the attendees was just making the shit intolerable, that it was just becoming the point where the people running the convention were just going to the convention for the sake of hanging out with their friends and being there for the after-con you know, room parties and stuff like that as opposed to the convention itself. And they just said, you know what, it's not worth it. We'll just pack up shop and say the hell with it. Because you almost never see that. I give them so much credit for doing that because you see that now. That's kind of what the cons have turned into. Yeah. Right. It is just... Babysitting. Exactly. For people to do all kinds of stuff, and you have to put on all these events. It boils down to the almighty dollar Mm. when you think about it. Renting out the the hotels and getting convention space costs money. People who put on the conventions ask themselves, all right, how do we guarantee that we end up in the black, that we don't end up thousands of dollars in debt? You know what? This anime and manga stuff, it's not enough to carry this thing on its own. We gotta add stuff to it. We gotta have the video game tournaments. We gotta have the concert. We gotta have the raves. We gotta have the DJ. We gotta have litany of cosplay cottage industry things that that entails. You gotta have the costume contest. You gotta have Gothic Lolita panels. Yeah, the Gothic Lolita tea parties and the J Rock and J Props and the plushies and. We have to, you know, address this lifestyle that these people live. Right, and that'll bring all these people forward. And we got to have sword and martial arts demonstrations and chess matches or, you know, musical, all cosplay-related things just because they figure, oh, this will draw butts in the seats. It'll get people through the door, and that's how we'll make our money back. Once you end up doing that, you end up having to compromise maybe what was your original vision for the convention on the justification that, oh, well, it has something to do with Japan, right? So, yeah, yeah, we can do that, because we're now about uh, Japanese pop culture in general. Whatever. It gets out of hand, and you see it in a lot of conventions, and then eventually some just go off the deep end and turn themselves into quote-unquote multimedia conventions, which, when you decipher the code, means we'll let anyone in who wants to be there. Now, do you think that there's any way to fix this? Well, there is a way to fix it. I mean, By charging $120? I think one thing might be to... And this is never going to happen in my lifetime. <laughs> ever. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I'm going to say limit people's age to maybe 18 and over only without necessarily making it a porn convention. Just do it for the sake of, you know, we don't have time to fucking babysit. I think that you can limit people's age by just getting rid of the video game room. And yeah, yeah, that's the other all of those things. And I yeah, know that, I was about like to you say, said, those will those will never happen. If you just get rid of those things, then they'll right. stop coming. If you I say, I was about to say, I think it's I think it's kind of unfair to say, oh, we'll block out everybody who's below eighteen because you know, right. let's face it, there are you're a lot right. of asshats who are older than eighteen. That's true. You right. know, and, and so yeah, so, I'll take so that. So I think back, that if you yeah. if you just took out and I like you said, it'll never happen. But right. If you just ditch the rave, ditch the video games and the land parties, ditch the costume contests where you win prizes. Not to say the just sushi making panel and the kimono making panel. I was about to say because I was about to say because cosplay is related to the shows. It, it the is, and here's what I say: I mean, don't necessarily outlaw the wearing of costumes, but don't give people a prize for it. 
Because how many people are just in it for the glory, so to speak? I have nothing against someone wearing a costume because they like a show, but I'm going to design this costume because it's going to get the judges on my side and I'm going to win the big prize and get to be cool in front of thousands of people. Fuck that. No. I, get rid I don't the, know. I get mean, rid of the contest. Get rid of the prizes. Get rid of the drama that involves with, oh, such and such judge was against me, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing for AMVs. You can run AMVs. Just don't have the big contest with trophies and fabulous prizes. See, and- I understand what you're saying. And to a certain extent, I agree with you in that there's a lot of drama that comes in the competitions. But the thing is, I'm just as much in Western fandoms as I am in anime fandom a lot of the time. And I came out of Western fandoms. And I came out of you know, sci-fi conventions and and fantasy cons and, you know, people who went to those conventions. I mean, there have always been, you know, contests even at those, you know, because it's a way for fans to pay respect to each other. And I agree that there's a lot of drama that comes out of it, but I don't necessarily agree that it's automatically a bad thing and that it should be completely banned. I think the overall value principle dictates that I have to weigh the pros against the cons, and I think there's much more drama coming out than there's respect coming in. Mm. Right. So I would say just no contests. I mean, yeah, if you want to wear a costume, if you want to make a music video because you like this thing so much, by all means. But if you want to do it because you want your name up on the website in lights and be the featured you know, cool person, screw you. Well, right. obviously, that's always an issue. I mean, there are plenty of people. Who I think do it's the prevailing issue things. at this point. I think there, there are plenty yeah. of people who do fan-related things, you know, just to get attention. But I think um, it's most of them now. I mean, I, think I don't. I just, I just hate to kind of snub people who you know really do do it because they love it, but they put a it's lot of time and effort them. into it. No, those people will those get the attention will they still deserve. Get the attention they deserve because they'll be doing it yeah. because they like it. They right, won't be right. there for the for the uh, prize. They'll be there because they love the show. Right. They love the character and. They they will get the attention, and I because think that a lot would of people won't be weed that. out the jerks. I really think it would. I think because I think we're on the same side, Clarissa. I think that I think we so want too. those people that are really love the stuff. Into it no, to I there. totally agree. It's just that I've been in in plenty of other fandoms and plenty of other conventions and stuff where there are these contests, and it it's not always a bad thing. But it's always it's a not- bad thing with anime, Clarissa. <laughs> I mean, yeah, That's maybe the maybe they've got it together in sci-fi fantasy. Maybe, well, but maybe, maybe, maybe if we weed score. out, maybe if you weed out those asshats by getting rid of a lot of that other stuff, then that's going to also weed out a lot of the people who do that same stuff. I, I think the cosplay is the main one. I think the video games is the really? best start, though. Really? I think the video games. Once, if you get rid of the video games, then I think that is a big start. When you I say think, video games, you mean like specifically console? fighting game, kind of the whole Smash Brothers, Street Fighter, Guilty Gear, Virtual You know, I, I, I need a word this. DDR, that sort What of about thing. video games to... that are tied to anime? I, what I'm against is that they've got all of these events the and tournaments. panels yeah. and tournaments surrounded b- around video games, and they've right. got entire rooms that are dedicated to video game contests and tournaments. Get rid of that shit. I don't have really anything against a room where they've got a couple of things set up that you can go in between, you know, when there's nothing to do. Right. I don't have a thing against that. It's the whole high-level tournament scene, and I play this game all the time at home, and now I'm going to come to this convention to play the same game because this is where the competition is. That right. sort of thing. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I've gone those into those video game assholes. rooms between, between, you know, when I'm watching stuff or there's an event, and it's, that's fun, but I hate all of the, the tournament shit. Yeah. Yeah. They should have their own thing for that. Yeah, I mean, I personally don't have as much of a problem with the panels for other stuff because, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, I know... A lot of times, sometimes that that related stuff 
does come into it, and that sometimes if you go to like you know fantasy cons, they're gonna have stuff about armor making. They're gonna have some- <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they have a three-hour panel like see- at Oticon about how to make how to program video games. I mean, I guess some of it comes from the fact that I guess anime fandom on the whole is younger. It's much, much younger. Yeah, I mean, you, you were talking about people, like, making AMVs or doing whatever just to get attention. And Yeah, I think that this is a very interesting step that Ushikon is taking. But in, what interests me is that you said they've been around for about five years or so. Five years, and the third, first they didn't year see they drew, th- like, 300 people or 700 that they, people. They didn't see this stuff the first year because, I mean, well, they that just... means that... I this, guess it just these, escalated. Maybe. Yeah, it just escalated to the point this. where they just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, it was just they realized that we we've been doing this, and now it's at the point where it's just not Ushikon anymore. It's right. just not fun. And most people I know who reach that point don't shut down the convention. They just keep going out of some sort of weird devotion or some kind sort of a of, need to keep it going because yeah, it's just like. Yeah, just keeping going for its own sake. Like, okay, well, we're going to have to do this so we can put on the next year's con, so we can make some other compromise, so we can put on next year's con, and it just goes and goes and goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they need to recoup the money that they spend. Right. So, yeah. And in the event that there's anyone out there who has not unsubscribed from our show because they hate us now, it's now time for part two of the Patrick Macy's interview. This is the next 30 minutes. If you want to hear the first 30 minutes, listen to the previous show. Patrick Macy's is the author of Cruising the Anime City and Otaku Guide to Neo Tokyo. He's also written for Pulp and America and all sorts of good things. And as I promised, the secrets of the universe will be revealed, and you'll hear that right after this promotional message. Running a ninja clan in the high-tech world of the 21st century is serious business. Just one slip-up and you can find your head nailed to the gate of a rival clan's village. Enter the Ninja Consultants, a team of dedicated individuals working to make certain your next mission is a successful one. Services include... Ninja Actuarial Services. Think there's a traitor in your midst? Ninja Consultants internal auditors will uncover plots and conspiracies in your clan and finger a culprit. Guaranteed. Crisis management. Did some boastful Genin summon an ancient demon and now half your clan is dead or zombies? Ninja Consultants turnaround specialist will help you restructure your clan and streamline your new operation by cutting loose the dead weight and rotting flesh. Human resources. Are your ninjas constantly dying all the time? They may just be unmotivated. Ninja Consultants is a demonstrated leader in inspiring ninjas to new levels of productivity so your clan can reach its most competitive assassination quota ever. Ninja Consultants, the first and only name in clan value enhancement and anime podcasting. At www.ninjaconsultant.com Or on LiveJournal under the username Ninja Consultant. Or you can search for us in the iTunes store. Just look for Ninjas, Consultants, Ninja Consultants, or Anime. Though you might have to look pretty hard under that last one. Ninja Consultants. We, we get, get paid, paid more than, than regular ninjas. ninjas. I don't know what a podcast is. That's fine. I don't know what consultants do. I started off, you know, watching Dangard Ace, watching my Star Blazers with my, my Cocoa Puffs and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm still holding on to that anime stuff, but it's led me to all this this really weird, messed up stuff. But but it's at the core is this... Jeff's fault. 
Yeah, kind of. <laughs> God, you know? I can't believe they put that out on DVD. Oh, yeah. And it's fantastic. Like, I people who bought it. <laughs> and I have no regrets. <laughs> it goes. It, that box goes for about like eighty to a hundred dollars in, in Tokyo because oh, it's an oh, import wow. over there. So that's like gourmet, you know, oh, cocoa wow. pops over there for them. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is we lust after their weird box sets of Blue Noah, yeah. junky shows like that. But there's people over there who freak out the merest mention of Rob Zombie or Pamela Anderson. They'll just shriek like we do when someone says, you know, like uh, Ag Subaraya. Ag Subaraya. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> looking through like you know gothic and lolita bibles and you'll see like spreads on you know madonna for when she was going through a kind of like dark pseudo kabbalah ridiculousness and marilyn manson and i remember seeing an anime at one point and i wish i could remember which one it was but it had like the opening and ending songs were like backstreet boys songs and... oh it's the hana the shonen she yes that one wasted yeah. my life i didn't watch the show i just that's my factoid <laughs> about the show backstreet boys theme song you know whatever well, now they got the, what is that, Franz Ferdinand, right? Yes, yeah, for, for the Kiss. ending of Paradise Kiss, yeah. But that's probably a Sony music kind of thing there. I mean, it's like in Japan, the media is very controlled and everyone pays very close attention to whose management is, you know, running this act and their tie-up with this yeah. publisher or this show. It's it's kind of amazing that people say that the, people watch the most amount of television in Japan over any other country in the world, but the mm-hmm. level of media literacy there is they know exactly who's pulling the strings all the time. It's, it's kind of amazing to me. That's interesting yeah. because most anime fans I know don't really have that much of the literacy. Like, they don't really know who directed their favorite show. Right, like, very Patrick, little. Like you said in something you wrote, I think it might even have been that Otaku in USA intro, you said you were 10 years old and you knew who Eiji Tsuburaya was and Ishiro Honda and, and Tomoyuki Tanaka. And most fans these days, they don't ever pay attention to that stuff. Well, Why do you suppose that is? It's just I was a wired. dork. I was a dork. There's some fans I know. There seems like there's a generation of kind of kids about 10 years younger than me who sort of went from Pokemon straight to Battle Royale. There are a lot of people out there whose whose knowledge of uh, Japanese pop culture for their age is, is pretty astonishing. I mean, some of the most clued in like 4chan users are like, you know, 17 years old and, and live in, in Maine, you know? So I, I I don't know if it's so important that you do that weird train spotting thing where you know, if you're a, if you're a human encyclopedia or, or a list of just names, this actor started and this thing, that's kind of boring. But I think the new generation of fan really knows how things are connected in a bigger sense like maybe i only knew about godzilla movies but these kids they realize that there's something going on in games there's you know the internet there's anime there's manga there's cell phones and there's it's all kind of connected yeah and i think they, they see the connections a lot greater than just you know this was this guy was the assistant director blah 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 that yeah. stuff i was kind of into that for a while but it doesn't really get you anywhere you know you don't really yeah meet a lot of girls yeah, that's what we're <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> Include more director credits in the show. But you get major nerd points. I mean, yes. yeah, if you want to dazzle mm-hmm. people, everyone there is reading all the time about American films and music and stuff all the time, too. So, What was the greatest story I ever heard? I think this is some American fan, Guy Mariner Tucker. Does that ring a bell, Daryl? Oh, God. One of these Godzilla guys, first-generation Godzilla nerd, first American fan to go to Japan to meet Japanese tokusatsu fans and he goes all the way there thinking oh boy we're going to talk about godzilla and all they wanted to talk about was superman the movie oh wow really did you know where <laughs> yeah. this guy was from because i met some first generation godzilla fans at baltimore i don't remember where he's 
from? And these guys went to Japan and they got to meet the Japanese guy who played the first Godzilla and such. Haro Nakajima. There I go. One nerd point for me. Um, No, I I don't know where he's from. I know he's self-published some stuff, but those guys were pioneers. And I think there's weird stories I've heard about, like, Osamu Tezuka would be walking around San Diego Comic-Con, like, in 1980, and no one knew who the heck he was, and... He would yeah. just go to Fred, you know, Fred yeah, Shote's house, and, and things. And they'd sit they would eat, and eat chips, and watch like watch Wonderbug or something like that. <laughs> there were giants in those days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know how how important all that stuff is now, but you tell this stuff to Japanese people that this has been going on for a while because they suddenly hear, oh, there are these people who call themselves otaku in America now. That's very strange because in Japan, otaku is you know, thought of as a very negative thing, but now it's going very mainstream. And now there are people in America who are proud to call themselves otaku. What is going on? So I have to Mm -hmm. kind of explain to them what the heck is up with that. And unfortunately, there's not an easy answer. You have to go all the way back to Speed Racer and all that stuff. It's all built on each other. Yeah, you actually let slip that you have a quite extensive knowledge of Japanese live-action film. You've even written (laughs) books on the subject. But uh, just to, to pimp you a little more, you actually know... A lot of the filmmakers personally, like you personally know Takashi Miike. Yeah. When he was alive, you knew uh, Kinji. Kinji Fukasaku. Kinji Fukasaku. Yeah. Had lunch with Ryuhei Kitamura and stuff like that. How does wow. How does it come about from writing uh, articles and watching tons of movies? How do, How does the average Joe <laughs> go from sitting around live and watching the dream? Man. I don't know. I just, how do you live the dream? I have yeah. no idea. I wrote a book. I was doing a lot of film review kind of stuff in my late 20s and somehow I tricked you know Viz then <laughs> to do a book on Japanese film because they were doing some Japanese films like Uzumaki and Dead or Alive and that's a trend that kind of continues now they're doing Kamikaze Girls so yeah. I did a book and uh, everyone was very nice to me I don't know why you know I get emails sometimes from people who want to talk to these people and they don't know an in and I, I don't know I really I guess Tomo probably opened a lot of doors, and I think once you do the book and you show it to people, then that's sort of a license to kill. Yeah, because you do get a lot of requests. Like, you have written quite a few liner notes for live-action Japanese films that get released on DVD here. Yeah. Is that right? So... And they had you said, like, weren't you a consultant on the U.S. remake of The Grudge? Like the film? Yes. Yeah, I played a kind of a small role in that. Um, Tell the so world don't, about don't, that. Don't, don't blame me if you didn't like it, kids. I, I thought it was okay. <laughs> I, I, I stood up and cheered during the end credits on you know when I saw it in the theater. Juan, well that, that's kind of a long and not very interesting story. You know, someone had a tape, someone wanted to see it, someone was willing to give us money for the tape and some advice on what to do with it. So that's what we did, and we got we we all you know uh, went out for tacos afterwards. <laughs> That's an interesting story. Where'd you go for tacos, Pat? I'd, I'd like to do it again. If someone else wants to hire me to be a consultant on a, on a <laughs> Japanese, you know, like horror film remake, gladly, because that was the easiest thing I've ever done for the most amount of money. Well, that seems so. to be a big thing now, so I'm sure there'll be opportunities. Well, that's but I, weird, I don't know if I it's tapering off or not. They I mean, say we it's had tapering Ring, off. and we had Grudge, and we had Dark Water. They said Ring, Dark Water and Ring Two did pretty bad, and Ring Two was horrible. I haven't seen the American Dark Water. But. I didn't see either of those, but um, you know, when it stops making money, that's when they say the trend is over. Yeah. I've got I've got my money on Transformers and uh, Voltron. Personally, mm. I think that's going to be. <laughs> if that happens, we're going to see the return of the robot in a big way, and mm. I just and you know I can't I'm practicing. Yes. Robots Jocks Three. 
I'm, I'm doing black magic every day, hoping that they can put together a virtual Scatman Crothers, you know, from different audio samples. Yeah, just get like some Hong Kong Fooey clips and splice it in with jazz. Yeah, just mix it, just get someone to, yeah, just, just uh, create a virt- virtual version of them. A lot of things happened in the last couple of years that have sort of blown Japan's mind about the state of fandom in America. And basically, we got their attention. We got their attention. And the sad thing is, I think this is kind of for good and for ill, that to me, American fans, this is what I'm trying to tell Japan, is we are imitating what we think the Japanese fandom looks like. We are doing our own conventions. We're doing cosplay, doujinshi, all that kind of stuff. So now's the time to kind of do our own thing with it. I don't know, or to push it in a new direction or something. I was actually about to say that I, one of the things I think is kind of interesting is the differences between, you know, Japanese fandom and American fandom. Like, I'm seeing a rise in, you know, American people doing doujinshi, but still, like, written fan fiction is much more prevalent than, like, you know, fan-made manga, I think, still over here. Our conventions are, are really different as far as I've seen from Japanese conventions, like there's tend to usually be doujin events mainly. Yeah, they're smart over there. Where you just go and buy doujins. And over here, you know, we have, I mean, we have more of the science fiction convention type of pattern with panels and that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, I think Japanese and... fandom, that kind of first generation Gainax style of SF fandom, like yeah. the Daikons, that was based on American science, science fiction, fiction fandom. fandom yeah. For sure. And then when anime fans started doing their own cons, they already kind of had the infrastructure of the old science fiction cons, but now it's kind of turning into something, you know, we saw it like during the 90s, it get really corporate, you know, with all those booths like Pioneer and Sony coming in there and everyone kind of smelling, there's a buck to be made here. So I want the fans to get freakier. I want Kigurumis. Do you know what those are? Oh, God. <laughs> Explain in your own words what these <laughs> yeah. are. Uh, these are for our these audience. Are yeah. Grown men who dress up as anime characters, female ones, and they usually wear a, a mask that looks uh, like, uh, well, like death. Like it's going to eat your soul right out of your body. I'd seen pictures of them, I'd seen them on TV, and then, oh dear. They're so much more terrifying in person. And then when they walked past me at a con, I yeah, I lost it, man. I just there was a real it. one of those at AWA this year or last year. Really? There was a really? Really? I got, I got pictures of them too. Yes, and it was a man too. It's <laughs> gonna have to go in the show notes. They're just we had I I don't remember if it was two or if it was just one guy like in two Osaka outfits. I think it was just one guy, and it was really creepy. I was just, gonna say something, but the the thought bird. Stole my thought from out of my mind. So do they have, like, entire stores that sell those creepy, like, anime yes. heads for the Kigurumi? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, they do. Yeah. Akihabara is Oh, popping, this is Japan. Know? They have stores for everything, I forgot. They have you know, a thought in Akihabara. Store for what? The store for the thought bird? Yes. Okay. I'm sure they the do. The thought bird and other stories. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Thought, Dark fantasy for bird you. thought steals thoughts from out of your mind, Patrick. And that's why oh, you dear. forget something. It's because the thought bird the stole The thought bird. I'm, now I'm scared. Um, speed of thought. You should be. For a while there, I was kind of alarmed at the state of American fandom. I just saw a lot of people just arguing about subtitles and arguing over fan subbing, good or bad for the industry, all caps. You know, I thought it was kind of petty, but now in having to explain it to Japan, I'm kind of proud of it in a way, even though, you know, I don't do that sort of stuff myself. I think that anime fans have been, have been ahead of the curb on a lot of stuff. So I want them to be even more ahead of the curve. I want to go, you know, where are we going next, guys? That's what I want to know. 
Yeah. What are we doing next? Doll sex. That's the next. Thing. <laughs> oh, time has been delayed. Okay, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Okay, is in Japan, I have to explain to them that no, see, in America, the nerds still want to have sex with each other. For the most part, they they do. <laughs> but in Japan, no. In Japan, no, no. You don't want a real girlfriend. Your virtual girlfriend is way better than like any, you know, human being you could possibly yeah. hope to acquire. So that's a huge difference right there. And I that's a have big this... thing in the whole Moe movement, isn't it? That the 2D woman is superior to the real woman because the real woman has a personality and you can't have any of that. And Japanese, you know, yeah. marriage rates are declining, birth rates are yeah. declining. All the girls are lusting after homosexual guys and all the guys are <laughs> lusting after virtual girlfriends. I have this weird pet theory. I don't know if it's going to work out, but American otaku follow Japanese trends. They're about five years behind. I mean, they know about it, but they don't incorporate it into their own sort of worldview mm-hmm. until a few years later. It speeds up all the time, I guess. But I'm going to be really curious when people stop checking each other out. You know, the con hookup. That's mm-hmm. a terrifying concept. That's an alien concept to a Japanese fan. The con yeah. hookup or the, the sexy pictures of cosplayers, you know. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if that does kind of happen over here just because it seems like Japan has so many other Already things no- behind that. Like, there's so many other, like, gender issues going on there that... I think maybe it kind of led to that. But but when I look at all the manga there at Barnes and Noble and Borders and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's shoujo stuff. I feel like the the girls really made this thing mainstream. As as much as we tried Daryl with Vanguard Ace, you know, (laughs) it didn't, it didn't have, it wasn't good enough. That's why Transformers, I think, could really turn this whole situation around. Bring it back to the fatherland, so to speak. (laughs) I'm curious what the girls are thinking. I don't really understand why would you want to go to a butler camp? I understand the maid cafe because maybe you're going to see some panties. I don't know how to put it any differently, but that's part of the appeal. You well, know? girls like to look at hot guys just as guys like to look at hot 60s. girls. Yeah. They're, they're literally looking for older, intelligent men. Oh, that's, is it like old butlers? Okay, I wasn't sure. It's so like it's Mr. Like, French. It's like Oji-san. Yes. Think Fred Patton. <laughs> the, yeah. I, the fantasy is you are a rich chick yeah. or part of royalty, and this is the family. So this is Alfred. Right. Oh, my Alfred Lord. is not the best. Alfred's <laughs> hot. Hey, man, Alfred is awesome. <laughs> don't be right. talking no there smack about Alfred. The there you go. <laughs> so cool. Alfred's the best butler ever. Next time Clarissa goes to Japan, she's going to be camping out in those butler bars. <laughs> I, I'd honestly go to it just to see, but, uh... Oh, screw you know. that. You're going to well, go there because you're <laughs> They can bring the DDR machines to the cons. They can set up a booth. <laughs> <laughs> just put it in the corner. It's a mobile butler unit. They tried this thing kind of like a, a, a yaoi cafe. They would have these yeah. young, good-looking host kind of guys, kind mm-hmm. of long-haired. And they were kind of flirting with each other, flirting with the uh, the customers, and it, it went down really bad. It flopped. Yeah. It was it was too obvious. It was too blatant. Right, right. And there's something about the butler thing that's just so buried under the surface, so kind of unspeakable, mm-hmm. that I guess everyone really gets off on it. I don't really understand because I'm not wired that way. I'm right. very interested in, in how these things will progress. And, and I've been trying to figure out women and girls my whole life so this is kind of you know <laughs> to, to see to wonder why the uh girl fans took all of this stuff mainstream or at least as mainstream as it is right now is, is kind of a miracle i guess we have sailor moon to thank for a lot of this stuff. yeah so, yeah i'm sure that was a big thing and it's just such a kind of cool for girls to be in a comic shop yeah. and buy comic books maybe it has something to do with the fact that girls haven't really had comic books you know, in a long time, really. Yeah, 40, American comic books so. have been so male-dominated that, you know, maybe, like, it's just this rush because for the first time, we have comics that are, are for us. I'm sure it's going to plateau and 
I've been hearing that for years now. Everyone's been waiting yeah. for the last ever since like Pokemon and mm-hmm. you know like the, or, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, it's gonna pop any day now. But uh, I keep hearing, oh yeah, now it has, now it has, and then you know a few more books appear in the top 150 bestseller list. So I hope it doesn't happen before my book comes out in Japan. That's for sure. <laughs> we need otaku crimes. Yeah, you know what I mean. More that's like, what make otaku like Tsutomu Miyazaki. <laughs> one guy's yeah. gonna fuck it up for everybody once. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, it's Somebody needs to you know, chop up some hookers. <laughs> revenge yeah. of the nerds. It's got to be revenge of the nerds. And they gotta know? like some guy's got to be watching it, thinking of like how it's otaku equivalent of a Charles Bronson movie. It's like ah, yes, yeah, like Death Wish. Only I'm gonna you know give Nerdier. guys this. They won't make fun of you anymore. You know, they're scared of you. You know, I think we I need we need someone to do like some white you Ziga horror. They're they're too busy there. doing that with the video gamers though. They're too busy being terrified of everyone who plays video game. I've been asked this question: Is why hasn't anyone gone after the, the kind of sex and violence content in anime and manga in a big way? If it's so popular, surely someone's you know caught on to the fact that all the stuff is just filth, you know. And I guess it happened. Someone had like a, a copy. What, what is this? Some, some Tokyo Pop comic? Someone? Oh right. Some, um, shit. It kind of did happen, but it went nowhere. But it wasn't like Hap- a porn was thing. It, it was wh- like some regular girls comic. But it was is like, that the oh. one with that one girl who picked up Paradise Kiss? Paradise Kiss. And it was she picked up Paradise Kiss, and there was like a sex scene in it. It was a very minor sex scene, and the girl. Out, it's the, like the, children are reading this. Right. The word I heard was date rape. There's a date rape scene. Yes, that's comic. right. It was a date oh, rape scene yeah, in Paradise yeah. Kiss. <laughs> now, my theory is you excuse that stuff because it's Japanese. It's from another country. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's We're not, not responsible fault. for it. It's yeah. not our fault. We're not responsible right. for it. Okay, our kids are reading it, but it's Japan's fault. It's not Walmart's fault. It's not Borders' fault. Yeah. It's very strange. So Japan kind of has yeah, this, this sort of like force field around it. You know, It hasn't been really <laughs> cracked yet. The witch hunt could happen. I, Tomo, in particular, predicts there will be a witch hunt, but this could have sparked it. This one comic. Could have maybe really... it's just people aren't paying as much attention to the printed material. Like maybe it'll take like more stuff on television being less edited before people start freaking when, out. When I, I was know. researching the history of Sailor Moon, there was a lot of stuff in Canada where a lot of newspaper writers, the mainstream press, was saying, "Is Sailor Moon too sexy for kids?" Because the miniskirts and stuff? Yeah. yeah, well, just the idea that they were supposedly, you know, like, strong women, but Tuxedo Mask always came in and rescued the them at the yeah, last yeah. minute. Therefore, it was incredibly sexist, yeah. right? So, I, I don't know, but that didn't really go anywhere either. And I think it's yeah. because, well, blame the Japanese. The Japanese are right. just sick and perverted and crazy, and it's their fault. They should clean up their act. Why should we have to do it? for them here yeah, on our but own But nowadays we've got shit like Bratz and Winx Clubs so we're guaranteed to raise a generation of 16-year-old whores. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not going to have anyone to blame except ourselves. Life will be really good then. <laughs> I'm curious to see what's going to happen next. I cannot predict. I didn't know you could buy Evangelion for $5 on Amazon yeah. until, you know, Even I though that wasn't honored. They said, yeah, they said they're not going to honor it, yeah. Unfortunately. That's the second time that that's happened. Yeah, it's too. always been it's always been the platinum set for five dollars of some mishap out in somewhere. That's the second yeah. time it's overstock.com, and I almost got my order in on that. They canceled that too. I think it's a conspiracy. By the it's Gaijin a definite darkness, conspiracy. Right? Yeah, the, the government of darkness, the Gaijin yes. of darkness, they're out there, man. Clearly, oh, obviously, man. So let's see. They were eleven. <laughs> um, yeah, where were we? Oh, well, um, we were, oh, we were talking about accents, yeah. yeah. I was talking about that, you know, I'm not really a big accent, though. Let's big fan of the, you know, hey, let's give this character a southern accent or, or whatever, just because 
I mean, I understand that, you know, you have like, oh, this character, you know, speaks in Kansai Ben or whatever, and they have to figure out a way to get that across in the dub, and so they do that accent, but I, I guess the accents usually are pretty bad. Like and, they're not authentic. Yeah, they're, they're just not really great. I mean, you know, let's be honest, like, while most anime dubs nowadays aren't horrible, they're not really all that great either. So the accents especially, I don't think they're getting dialogue coaches in there. I you believe know, Wendy like, Lee has also had to do another accent before. I believe she did an accent for Love Hina, where she had to oh do God. an Indian accent. Oh, that horrible, horrible Indian it, accent. It, that it awful wasn't dog. a horrible, horrible accent, but it was just a really strange voice. But it was, the well, that dub was just awful in general. Weird. They insisted. Yeah. It was like, well, was it the Japanese? That was the Japanese. You can always blame wow. the Japanese. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anytime that's so America convenient. Fucks up something, it's, oh, the Japanese made us do that. Yeah, it's not they our fault. You can't, can't prove it. it. You can't prove they didn't make <laughs> us do it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, for stuff like They Were Eleven, I, I, I suppose it, well, no, that kind of weirds me out, too, just because she's from another planet, not from Texas. It's like, it always weirds me out in anime, just because I'm like, this character is still Japanese. A yeah, Japanese person should not sound like they're from Texas. I just keep thinking, you know, this person is from Osaka or whatever in Japan. Why do they sound like they're from southern U.S.? And it just doesn't really work for me. I don't know. I, got I remember they did it in Kenshin, and it just bothered me a lot. Oh, God. The, uh, Who released They Were 11? Who was that? Like, Central, US? Central Park Media. Media. CPM. Okay. And you can, get it for, you can get it for 10 bucks now. I think it's almost out of print. No, well, yeah. yeah, ten bucks. It's uh, definitely a, a must. Yeah, ten. See. Yeah, the that's the, right. the nice you hear that price. audience? Ten dollars. You yeah, have no as excuse. To ninety dollars for Pat for Labor. Pat Labor One. Is Bandai doing Pat Labor One for yeah. ninety? Ninety dollars for the special edition. Ninety bucks. Wow, do you get like a gold watch or a steak dinner with that? <laughs> no. Well, you do get some nice stuff, but you get a book. <laughs> you get a book, and you get some. <laughs> I've never seen a book before. I've heard of those though. Yeah. <laughs> they open. Have they have words. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's it's no pictures, though, huh? It's just a, a book. It's actually a screenplay, is my understanding. Is what you get a copy. I think it said storyboard. With probably storyboards, storyboards yeah. right? Well, like, probably the full storyboard for the film. With that. Yeah. When's all that coming out? Bandai's crazy. Who's crazier, Bandai or Toei? If it really came down to it, like well, in a steel cage is, match, who would win? You know, this is <laughs> the Japanese Bandai too, so they're doubly crazy. Okay, I think then Bandai yeah. wins. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, this right. is coming out on April 25th. Patrick, I have a, a link for you on the subject of uh, steel cage matches. Okay, throw me some. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. It, it, we, we were talking in email about the whereabouts of uh, the Iron Sheik, and uh, in searching for it, I kind of found what, what he's been up to. He's converted to Christianity. Oh, no, that's, that's the other thing they, okay. that they all do. But... Very popular among professional wrestlers. I'm telling you, if you want to you know, go anywhere in the Japanese entertainment industry... Become a pro wrestling fanatic. It will get you so far when you have to stay out all night drinking with these yep. people. Just rattle off the names of your favorite wrestlers and you'll, you're the life of the party. I really want to get to those uh, female pro wrestling matches in Japan someday. Oh, the female wrestling scene is kind of dead. They just seem amazingly crazy. Yeah, female wrestling hello? is on the skids from what I hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hello. Oh, really? Okay, oh, we had a, a bit of a... Yeah, it's like I'm trying to find this thing, but uh, it appears that if I move my mouse and try to search through my history... <laughs> the, uh, it, it goes so, Daryl, you're doing this, huh? No, I'll, I'll, I'll it's all Daryl's fault. It's all my Isn't it fault. Always? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I caused all that cancer. 
Sorry, I, I mean the, the, the face of pro wrestling in Japan right now is cancer. HG Ramon. You know the hard gay guy. Hard so. gay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ramon, so the girls HG. are sort of who who needs girls? You know, yeah. right. It's All a very right. confusing country in that respect. All right, I'm getting set to throw this. I mean, I have to say, hard gay is powerful, so you know, I can't, <laughs> can't yeah. exactly. He's like Santa Claus over there. Everyone loves him. It's Women, amazing. Children, like, you know? I just, I love like watching these segments where we'll go up to like these kids on a playground and be like shaking his, you know, crotch in their faces, and they just love it. You know, you couldn't do that here. All right, and spank him too. Go. Yeah. The right, rumor so is the he's. I found it. Um, the rumor is he's straight. For the record. H.G. Ramon not actually gay. Hate to tell you oh, that. Yeah, he very also, just uh, took his name from Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, and took his style right. of dress from Shawn Michaels. He's an actor. Yeah. Yes. All right, so here's the link. TinyURL.com slash B4YNK to find out what the Iron Sheik's been up to. And just so you know, this link is not safe for work. <laughs> so if you go what to has the... he... I'm scared. Click on it and find out. You should secret. be. Okay, let's take a look. It's Daryl. You should always be terrified. Holy, the honky tonk man. <laughs> the honky tonk man. This is, this is. Oh, God. <laughs> the honky tonk man looks like the Stave Puff marshmallow honky tonk man. <laughs> he, he looks like. He looks like the guy. He looks like Dolomite. Dolomite, yes. <laughs> I was about to say, he looks like the creepy guy in jail that you don't want to drop the soap around. Uh, he's like someone, yeah, Charles Bronson would kill, like, in the first, you know, ten minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This is why they were bad guys, I guess. This is why, you know, like, they had to get beat up all the time by, you know, Hulk Hogan, because they were clearly going to get into porno at some point. Yeah. And on the subject oh, of... Oh, God, Nina Hartley. Jesus, yeah. look at that. P- porn and wrestling are... <laughs> Previously, things that would only be combined by uh, okay. either by either Kazuo Koike or one of his understudies. No, one of my favorite for real or, favorite or wrestling writers. fan fiction writers. I have a Michael, doujinshi on wrestling. That's I gotta say the quote: Michael Moorcock, one of my favorite authors of all time. He said, "Like if uh, sex is two people trying to occupy the same body at the same time, what is wrestling?" So that's sort of <laughs> kind of a tongue twister really there. I don't. <laughs> Oh man! So yeah, you know, this would be an excellent transition into yeah, my segment. Yeah, we should we should talk about uh, now that I've invoked the name of the Dark Lord Cromdor's number one <laughs> associate, the Honky Tonk Man. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured it'd be a good idea with you here, Patrick, that we should uh, we should tell the world about Kazuo Koike okay. and his contributions to the world. Good lord, I should make up my pile of stuff here. Yeah. His his vastly important contributions to literature. I might want to end off Clarissa's segment in some way. Okay. Well, I've had it's enough listening to you, Clarissa. <laughs> Moving on. Bam! <laughs> That's what we're using. <laughs> This is going to be hell to edit anyway. It doesn't matter. We're just going to... This is no edit at all. It's just going to be you know, Patrick Macy's interview, you know, running time, three hours. Here's part one. I haven't blinked since uh, I saw the Iron Sheik on this website. So. <laughs> just uh, whenever, whatever you say, you know. I think you made this just to sort I, of yeah, like... Yeah, this is a prank. It's a, a strong possibility. Been pranked. Sort of a mad lib. See, course. now they need to hire that... <laughs> Gerald, the, well, who was that guy? The uh, the helicopter fuck guy. They helicopter need to hire man. that guy now. Oh, yes, helicopter man. Helicopter, no, helicopter man. 
Mike clearly Zero. need to hire that guy, and then their show will be complete. Man, I forgot. <laughs> the Thought Bird. <laughs> let, me, let me go and pull up one of his movies right now. The Thought Bird strikes oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> Damn that Thought Bird. Yeah. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Anime World Order. Join us next week where we're pretty much just going to get this interview out of the way sooner. We're going to play a full hour's worth of it, but it's going to be totally worth your time because we're going to spend the hour talking about Kazuo Koike, who is... A fantastic author. He's the author of Lone Wolf and Cub, but that's not the reason why we're going to talk about him. As always, our website is animeworldorder.blogspot.com. You can email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail message at 206-666-4AWO. That's 206-666-4296. I actually just got word and I figured out how this whole internet thing works. Apparently you're supposed to vote for podcasts. So if you go to the sidebar of our website, you can see we've got these little buttons underneath the iTunes ones. If you click on like the Podcast Alley and Podcast Pickle ones and stuff like that, and vote for our show, please do that, because that's how we'll get additional people to listen to our show, because people who go to those sites instead of iTunes, which are apparently a lot of people, will see our show more easily that way. So... It only takes a second. Go ahead and do that. I don't want to be a jerk and beg for, you know, please click on our site or whatever kind of thing. But I guess that's what needs to be done in this uh, cutthroat world of uh, internet anime stuff. Anyway, that's it for us this week at Anime World Order. See you again next week. Be sure to look out, of course, for the Thoughtbird. Be on the lookout for the Thoughtbird and uh, the the Cromdor scream. But other than that, take care. (laughs) 